I'm Will Yeoman and welcome to another episode of the pod Well Travelled where I'm joined today by travel editor Stephen Scarfield who is here to give us a new definition of the term adventure travel. Stephen, welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to be <laughs> In back. In one piece. Yeah, well, it's good to be out but it's good to be back. Um, yes, look, the end, the end destination of course was Antarctica mm. the, or more specifically the Antarctic Peninsula which is right. the bit that pokes north sort of south of south america so the peninsula kind of well the geology is an extension of the andes so this sets the scene so you've got that big triangle of south america pointing south and you've got the antarctic peninsula pointing north okay and a thousand kilometers of the drake passage in between right so that's we're going to ashwire to get on a ship the um aurora expedition ship greg mortimer to sail south to the peninsula so I mean, that's, that's what the game's all about. Mm. But it's four flights there and it's four flights back. And I must say that, uh, as, you, as you've just said, getting there is a bit of an adventure anyway. Well, it has been. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so it sounds like it's, it's a series of adventures, yeah. each with their own sort of challenges. It is. Look, I, think, I think there's a wider picture here, whether you're mm. going to Ushuaia or not, and probably not many people are. Yes. Um, there's a wider picture here to be explained about travel at the moment. Yes. And that is that, I mean, we all know that industries are short of staff. I mean, it's, it's kind of the global story, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Um, that's particularly so in, in the travel industry, where lots of people were, you know, put on hold, stood down, uh, you know, made redundant, companies closed. So a lot of people left travel during the, the height of the pandemic, shall I put it that way? And I mean, we're still in the tail end of the pandemic's effects, very much so. So a lot of people left the industry and went and made themselves new careers in other industries. I mean, a lot of people that I know, you know, in the travel industry, mm. you know, begrudgingly left because it was their passion and their and their career. Absolutely. But they've gone into something else and they're committed to that. So they're not coming back because it's risky. Um, it's not well paid. Mm. You know, and we're talking about ticketing companies for airlines, travel agencies, obviously, but hotels, concierge, all these sort of... So, but basically, every, every chain in the in the link every is affected. Yeah, every mm. link in the chain. Every yeah. link in the chain. Sorry, every <laughs> chain in the link. Pesky words, mate. <laughs> right? It's just getting them in the right order. It's such a problem. Yeah. Um, I spent my whole career trying to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just to explain. So, for example, there was a, a problem with ticketing mm. on the airlines where okay. um, the ticketing had been loaded in a particular way that meant it was alphabetical, which is not helpful if you've got couples with different surnames. And you've got pl every plane is full. I mean, there's no seat on any plane anywhere. So once everything's locked up, your chances of moving mm. come down to asking people when you get on the plane sometimes saying, are you on your own because I'm sitting five yes, yes. forward and trying to shuffle around. Um, so, you know, hotels, misbookings, uh, coaches not turning up, not these turning sorts of up. things. Mm. So what you've got is you've got an industry, as you say, with all these component industries, with fewer people. A lot of the people who are in that industry now have come into travel, booking systems and so on, are new. Mm. They are massively overworked because mm. you can't get enough people. So even for experienced people, this would be a very, very trying. And well, exactly, not time. not because of the staff shortage, but as you mentioned too, the the new technology that they're grappling with. That's right. Even if they are experienced, that's right. 
And, you know, we all know with our phones, I mean, trying to do this, that, or the other thing with the phone is becoming more and more complicated. Mm. You know, we've got two, mm. two-step authentication for everything. And blah, yeah, blah, blah. I mean, and to be fair, it is a lot of it's down to security. A lot of it's down to security. Because of what's been going exactly on with right. hacking and so forth. Exactly mm. right. Exactly right. So much more complex systems. Yes. So you've now got new people under massive stress with probably triple the workload that they deserve using complex, more and more complex systems. So if you're booking a coach with a ground operator in Buenos Aires, for example, you're doing that through a booking system, mm. you know, booking a hotel, the same as we would. Mm. So if you don't tick a box or if something goes wrong, you don't actually know until a coach doesn't turn up or you turn up at the desk and they go, well, you're not sitting together. You know, you see your tickets. You don't actually know there's a problem until it manifests, which is often too late to solve it. Mm. So travel is very difficult. You've got postponed flights, delayed flights. You've got long queues that, I mean, so I just did eight flights. I would say generally you've got long queues at passport controls, um, all sorts of border controls. You can have 11 flights landing and three people at the mm. desk. Mm. You know, they're under stress, so they're a bit surly perhaps. Um, and then you've got to do a photograph on your thumb. Yeah, so security yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, everything's more complex. So uh, getting there was was an adventure sport. So already, already. and then, yeah, and so, then. You know, and I think that's, uh, look, if it, if you're doing a single hop, if you're flying from, in our case, Perth to London direct, mm. or you're flying, the plane takes off on time, nothing, everything's going to be fine. It shouldn't be an issue, you're right. But, you know, four flights and going through South America and connecting between two airlines and this and that. There's a lot that can go wrong in between, let's say. can go wrong. And I mm. say everyone's under pressure. Mm. Um, you know, and, and no one's in this game. No one's in travel because they want to give you an unpleasant time. Everyone's doing their best. I think it's really fundamental to remember that. Mm, mm. Um, so, of course, we were going to, from Ushuaia, so we've now got to Ushuaia. We're going down to the peninsula, which is, it's the classic Antarctic trip. Okay. It's fantastic. Mm. So you're going to do two days across the Drake Passage, generally, or a bit less, six or seven days, whatever it is, on the peninsula, going to places like Paradise Bay, uh, Cuvier Island, mm, okay. uh, Nico Harbour, brilliant sights through the Lemaire Channel. Um, you're going to see lots and lots of penguins. You're going to see lots of icebergs. You're going to get into zodiacs, which are the inflatable dinghies. Um, and you're going to have a pretty good time, particularly this year, which is the season's pretty weird down mm. there. I've been there, you know, a few times, and it's time of year. But there's a lot of snow this year. Mm. So where normally by now penguins penguins need the snow to melt, mm. quite a lot of it to mm, melt, sure. so they can gather stones to make their nest. Um, that hasn't happened. You see in, in places where I'm familiar with landing on rock, there's still four metres of snow. It's extraordinary, you know. So, And it was still snowing, so there's been a metre and a half of snow in November. Why? Well, what is this due to? Well, going back, this wasn't said on on this trip but going back i've traveled with ice experts and snow experts right. who have said to me that warming seas mm. create snow in antarctica mm. because mm. warmer water creates transpiration you still get the cold wind okay. and you get snow okay that wasn't said on this trip but i've heard that from people so, so you basically suspect our old friend climate change might be the culprit here yeah. as well yeah. mm. 
you know, mm. it's it's an example of one season's so yes. you well, exactly. can't extrapolate can't. too much. Mm. So I was travelling with Aurora Expeditions, which is a you know, good Australian company, mm. uh, set up in 1985, been doing this stuff, this is what they do, um, on the ship, the Greg Mortimer, which is a new style of ship, which has got the crossbow, the Alstein bow, which is... Um, where most ships, you know, the bow goes up and forwards. This goes yeah. the other way. Right, okay. So it's wave piercing. It's designed to cut through waves and have mm. less yaw mm. and roll and pitch, mm. which mm. are the three factors in this. Yes. And it's got very good stabilisation, which comes into the latter part of this story. But so on the way south, we had a really good run, you know. It was pretty good. Um, but we did have a problem before that because – Aurora has the policy of testing people for COVID before they get mm, on board. Mm. And several of the people I was traveling with, readers, I was traveling with a group, and several of them tested positive and had to stay in a shrine. Wow, okay. So, you know, and look, I, you can completely understand the perspective. I can understand cruise companies' perspective on this, mm. which is that you're going to the a remote, the remote place, uh, and, knowing, and, and bringing a virus on board when you're going to be in a place like that so removed is irresp- feels irresponsible in some ways. Mm. If you can prevent that, it's got to be a good thing. You know, if you end up with, and, and given the age of a lot of people who can afford and who do this, if you end up with people on respirators... Yes, and you have to come back from Antarctica. Yes, because respirators aren't what are the other exactly thick on the ground. Think about that because mm. you know if you brought it on board. So I mean, I understand the the, the policy, just, the, the policy mm. of this. Mm. But of course, for the people who couldn't get on board, it's it's pretty disappointing. Sure, we um, and under under Argentinian rules, you have to isolate, quarantine in a hotel room for five days. Mm. So I think the lesson here is whether it's Argentina or you're going to Antarctica or not, somewhere else is to that you need to read understand the policies of the companies you're mm-hmm. traveling with if their policy is to test for PR, pcr pcr test you before you get on board or rat test you with a supervised rat test you, you need to know that because you need to really think about the implications of that yeah yeah you certainly need good travel insurance that will cover you for that so it's really important to, to pay attention to detail at this time i mean some companies some cruise companies are not testing. They're just taking everyone on board and accepting mm. there's going to be about 15%. Sure. Which seems to be about the current rate on big ships at the moment. Uh, and you will be isolated in cabin for five days. Mm. So you need you need to think about those things and, say, the implications and the policies of the companies and the countries you're going to. You know, Brazil may reintroduce masks again fairly soon because they've got spikes there. Mm. So just be aware of that. We are at the tail end of a pandemic, but we are still in this tail yes, end of the pandemic. Yes, indeed. I admire your optimism. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, okay. I didn't say how long a tail. No, it could be a very um, long tail. It could be a long tail. So that's where we are. So some people didn't get on board. Okay. Um, we arranged, we helped to arrange accommodation for them in a Ashwire. And we all talked about it and they decided, you know, which was my suggestion, to stay in Ushuaia right. for the 10 days mm. that we were going to be on board. Yeah, yeah, that makes And travel back with sense. the group. Mm. Well, trying to get flights out of South America. I mean, you could, you could spend… You could spend days trying to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What's the point? And I must say, look, the people that were there that I was traveling with 
was so inspiring. I mm. mean, the way they took it, mm. I mean, it's a massive disappointment. The way they took it was incredible. And the way they then made an adventure out of being in Ushuaia, which is the end of the world. I mean, yeah, that's their yeah, tagline. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, we're yeah. in this incredible place. Mm. They did day trips on Catamaran to see mm. penguins down the mm. Beagle Channel. Mm. You know, you're quite near Cape Horn. Sure. They did walks in the Tierra del Fuego National Park up to Emerald Lake and so on. Um, in the local restaurants. And of course, Argentina was playing Poland. Some of them were in a local restaurant that night, and it was a very oh, exciting right, okay. night. They said, well, you'd never experience no, this of in course. the World Cup. Mm. Eating Chinook salmon, eating Argentinian mm. lamb on a rack. Mm. The king crabs are the size of the paper when it's opened out. You know, So they really made something of it, and I admire them very much for the way they took this and handled all of that. Um, the situation for people like that will be that their travel insurance should cover them it's very important if your partner decides not to board that you make sure right. that your travel insurance covers your partner not to board okay yeah because they yeah. haven't failed a test so things like that I'd, I'd really want the listeners to think about all these things and mm. be aware of these things mm. generally i mean none of this matters quite as much if you're cruising in the med and you know you can be offloaded in Nice or Monaco and mm, whatever absolutely. it is, but mm. it matters down there. But think about those things. Uh, on board, people then started to um, test positive. And on board, they had to stay in their cabins and isolate for five days. So obviously, that's a whole different scenario. I, mean, I must say, Aurora really have been wonderful. They have offered all those people on board who had to isolate um, another cruise. I know one couple's, I think, has already booked Costa Rica. So mm. um, they were very generous in looking after them, sure. considering that they'd had the experience. So, yeah, there was there was a lot going there was a lot going on <laughs> logistically. Yeah, yeah. But the Antarctic, you know, I I came through it <laughs> unscathed, um, as did you know lots some you know a large group of our travellers, mm. and we had the most amazing experience. So in Antarctica, you, you can. You can expect in modern ships a pretty good ride down. The The weather patterns go like this. So if you think of Antarctica on the bottom of the planet, and around this you've got the circum-Antarctic polar um, weather pattern. Mm. If you look from the bottom, it goes clockwise. Mm. And it's unimpeded except for squeezing through this pinch point. I've just described between the bottom of South America, that big triangle coming down, and the Antarctic initially going up. So the ocean, the weather patterns come from the west or northwest, and they push through this. And, of course, that, that speeds up water. It creates swell, helps to create – not quite true. Only, uh, only wind creates Yeah, swell, we know what you're saying. You know, yes. it just all bumps up in there. Yes. Get, it speeds the wind up. So yes. this is why you get the weather through the Drake Passage. Mm, mm. Um, so modern ships cope with all this pretty well. On the way south, you've kind of got that – a bit behind you on the on the on the um, starboard quarter, mm. you know, on the back right side of the mm. boat pushing you along. So we got down there quickly. Paradise Bay, brilliant. Young couple got engaged. Oh lots well, of, lots of penguins, lots of snow. I love clean penguins and white snow. <laughs> Photographer, happy days. Um, bit of sunshine, beautiful snowstorms, snowshoeing with Aurora, which is fabulous because you can. You can just kind of take off in the group. Yeah, right. Bridges and so mm. on. 
Um, great photography. I, I found photographically, I was it was a leap of faith, but I was very pleased that um, I did it. And I'd ne- if you'd asked me five years ago, I would never have imagined mostly shooting pictures in Antarctica with a phone. Mm. But that's where we are now. I had the iPhone 14 Pro, and I used that for three quarters of the pictures. Uh, I've just bought two Canon R7 mm. mirrorless cameras mm. with a 100 to 400 lens, the RF lens, mm. and the short zoom, which is the 18 to 101, whatever it is, 35. I can't remember now. Um, which I barely use. I didn't really use. Mm-hmm. I found that the iPhone. Yes. Uh, for most pictures was fabulous. So are you, are you saying that really for the telephoto stuff is where you probably yeah, need those long lenses? it's that last 10%. Yeah. It's when you really yes. want to pick out penguins yes. and really yes. get to grips with long shots. Maybe. And we're so, so mobile phone cameras are not quite there yet, are no, they? Yeah, I mean, the, the iPhone, the, the 14, well, all these modern phones have pretty good zooms. Now. Yeah. They're getting there. Sure. But for real long stuff and for really controlling depth of field and so on, mm. Yeah, mm. but I mean, most you know the phones are so really. I was pretty happy with the phone yeah, anyway. Incredible. Um, mm. And then I just had the RF seven with the R seven with the RF um, one hundred four hundred little bag waterproof mm. bag mm. by a company called Overboard in Queensland okay. Okay. on my lap. So I had that clipped around my waist. So, so very that. convenient. It's not like you're very carting around this big kit or anything. It was a leap anyway. of faith because yeah. You know, they're new cameras, right? Okay, and, you know it's pretty, pretty risky, but it, mm. they worked very, very well. Fantastic. Um, so yeah, and the Antarctic experience was great. Mm. Then, then the weather pattern that I've mentioned started to really form. So right. the weather, as I say, comes in sort of from the northwest, mm. um, across the bottom of South America, across the Drake Passage, and uh, Captain Kleptenko, mm. great Kleptenko, name, <laughs> Captain Kleptenko. Put his foot down and off we went. And this is where a ship like the Greg Norman comes into its own because it's it's a very good vessel. Um, and we got going and they kind of came up. Th- the first day was, was – there was a rough crossing. So you, seven metres is enough. So, so th- this was your next adventure in a sense, wasn't it? Yeah, so the, coming the, the home was the next adventure. Mm. I was, you know, being – responsible i suppose people i was very aware of the weather patterns okay um and they did very well to go well we've we've had a great time let's leave the party while we're having fun Mm, mm. the first day seven meters 50 knots of wind that's enough to let you know that you're in the drake passage sure okay it's it's not as big as i've had there but you know 20 foot in the old money on the beam on the side of the boat Mm, is enough to mm. make it move um and then but he did very well so we got through that reasonably quickly and then we're in the kind of the lee almost of south america mm. and by the afternoon the second day it was pretty calm but, okay um not this behind us a couple of days behind us was the viking polaris which mm. is vikings new expedition ship we've mm. written a lot about this haven't mm. we well, you know absolutely we've seen have, this in the yes. pages mm. this is the ship that's got new this year it's got the inboard marina, so they actually bring these Zodiacs, these inflatable yeah, boats, sure. in, inside the ship and everybody mm. gets out, if you like. Um, that was hit by a rogue wave in the Drake Passage. Um, Viking hasn't said this. I was talking to them yesterday. They haven't actually released this or revealed this, but it has been reported that a window broke when mm. this woke. Mm. You know, I look, I'm just picking a finger here, but I can imagine that knowing... 
A rogue wave can be twice the size of a normal wave. Right, okay. So you could be looking at 100 tonnes of water. Mm. Um, mm. It seems that, or it's been reported that, in, in the Argent- Argentinian media, that a window broke, um, but one person died wow. and four people were injured okay. in that incident. Um, so this is an American woman mm. um, who died. And, of course, we you know, you have every sympathy for the family and those connected to those five people, mm. but mm. also to – I have sympathy for everyone else on board because it would have been pretty traumatic. Absolutely. And, and, if, and, and, and that would affect your whole – The last thing you would have expected on, on yeah. a state-of-the-art Yeah, I've also know, got ship. a lot of sympathy for um, – the Viking. You know, the expedition so, mm, team and the mm, marine team, mm, mm, freak, and for Viking as mm, a company, you know, it, it's Viking has done everything right through the pandemic. Yes. It kept people on. We've been writing about this so much. They totally. Raquel Bono, you know, they mm. installed, they got a very good expert on pandemics. They installed PCR labs on every ship. Mm. They kept sailing as much as they could. They, it's a family-owned business. I mean, Torsten Hagen, who started and still owns the business, will be, I know, will be, you know. Oh, well, devastated. Devastated. I'm assuming it, they'll all be devastated. It's yeah, so, you know, I have sympathy event. for mm. them too. I think it's just a, you know, it's a terrible thing all around. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the um, what the investigation says. Sure. Of course, they yeah. then cancelled their next voyage. So you've then got people from the due to board and leave on the 5th mm. of December who were... Mm. But their voyage was affected, was cancelled. So, you know, you then got a knock-on effect there. Um, and just a few weeks ago, there's a ship called World Explorer, which was back in Ashwire. Okay. And this is a Quark Expeditions uh, ship. And they they had a Zodiac which overturned near Elephant Island, mm. which I'm mm. sure lots of listeners will know that was part of the Serena Shackleton story. He left from Elephant Island. They were there and somehow, I mean, a Zodiac overturned and two people died. So really another freak incident because you were saying I mean, at another yeah. point we were talking and it's very there's, difficult to overturn those. Well, a Zodi- these big Zodiacs that they have on these ships, and there's 15 on yes. Greg Mortimer, they have seven inflatable compartments. So they're, they're, they're not little runabouts. Mm. They normally take eight or ten people plus mm. the crew member mm. with the outboard, on, mm. you know, who's running the outboard. So they're big, big things. They have seven compartments. They're designed that if one gets deflated, it will still float, and two gets deflated, it will still float. Mm, you know, that's what mm, these yeah. brilliant Zodiacs yeah, do. Yeah. Turning one over, is, I can't think of ever hearing of that before, actually. Um, mm. But, you know, look, the water there, I mean, we had 40 people do the, so, the polar plunge okay. on the Greg Morton. <laughs> right. And honestly, five seconds in the water, and they're basically verging on hypothermic you know mm. i mean mm. that water if you're in the water without a dry suit mm. and then you, even if you've got back in the a righted so and another mm. zodiac mm. you'd have to do that within seconds you know yeah. i mean really yeah. yeah i can imagine particularly if you're older or something if you're in the water you're more vulnerable mm. if you're in the water for a minute it would just That's suck it, it out mm. so these are you know i mean antarctica is we read about Shackleton, Scott, Amundsen, all the dramas, the, the endurance, you know, the Scott story. I mean, it's the same place. Mm. Just because we've, you know, this kind of luxury expedition thing has been tagged to it, you know, 
that it's now a luxury holiday. Well, it's still Antarctica. You know, it's the story of these great dramatic adventures and disasters. Mm. And we're going there for fun. You know, mm. like it is the same place. The Drake Passage is the Drake Passage. And even if you put even if you if you put a two hundred meter ship like um, Polaris, Viking Polaris there, it looks ever so small in a big ocean. Right, okay. You know? Well, well, of course, yes. Of course. It's, it's the ocean So I'm just vast. making the point that, you know, we're choosing to go to dramatic places and with dramatic elements and that comes with personal risk. And, uh, you know, I also feel there's a per, there's a personal element to all of this story. I've, mm. We've just talked about getting there and getting back, mm. Will. And, mm. You know, I think that before you go, you need to understand that you will be on eight flights if you're going to this sort of place you will be in airports for four or six hours in between Mm. waiting for connections yeah you will be in a queue for an hour and a half you will be carrying your bag you'll be amongst pickpockets and so the pickpockets in Buenos Aires now they they actually join the queues right okay so they work there they stand in the queue and kind of help themselves to while well, everyone's looking for stuff yeah and then when they get to the front to be seated they just run off so you know i mean there's pickpockets everywhere uh, particularly at the moment mm. you know you will be carrying your bag you'll be walking long distances in airports you'll be sitting waiting and you know you need to be mentally fit ready for that and ready to go out and engage with the world but you also need to be physically fit mm. And I just really encourage people to think about the work of travel, that you'll be carrying a bag that you normally wouldn't carry and you'll be arriving at a hotel late at night. Yeah, look, the whole process is exhausting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so just, just, you know, we're we're back out doing big trips and they come with their responsibilities as well. They they come with their baggage, if if one could say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so... um, that was that's travel as we as we speak. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you for painting such a um, I don't know varied. Let's say a varied portrait. Look, I had an I had an amazing. Time. I think it's kind of interesting being out there at the moment. Will where being traveling the world and doing big trips at the moment, and I you know I love that. I love being back out. There were times yeah. when I never thought, you know, during the pandemic, those deep moments when we were all locked up at home. I never thought I'd see South America again. Right, okay. Flying over the Andes. Yes. I just was mesmerised. That flight between Santiago and mm. Buenos Aires. Mm. You know, I thought, wow, I'm back here. I'm walking around Buenos Aires. Who would have thought? Sitting in a park, yes. seeing yes. San Martin statue mm. and walking down 9th mm. of July Avenue. Mm. I just love being there. And, you know, Louis and Lucas, the the guy, the concierge mm. and this and that, you know, just, it was fantastic to be there, those beautiful mm. buildings. So mm. it's it's exciting to be in the world again. Mm. Wow. So listeners can read all about this and more in this and Saturday's more. West Australian travel yes. section and yes. beyond, in fact. I think you've got to like up stockpile of stories. Uh, yes, amongst that, I wrote 14 stories. Yeah, well, there you go. And un- well. Which does not surprise me given what you've um, just told us. There's a yeah, lot to write about. Yeah, and individual places like, you know, um, 
Fort Lacroix, which was the first full-time British base, we okay. visited there. It's a living museum now. Right. So lots of individual stories. Yeah, well yeah, sure. Places that you might be, in, you know, mm. that show the interest, mm. uh, show the history of this place too. So yeah, it's a very exciting trip. Lots of content. Lots of um, photographs, so we get to see that. Uh, Lots of photographs. How you gave that iPhone a really serious workout. We'll get yep. to hear, see the results yep. of that. Yeah, it's very pleasing. Mm. Well, amazing. Well, Stephen, so good to have you back, safe and sound. Good Thanks to be for being back, on the Will. pod, well travelled, and we'll catch up again next week. Thanks, Will. Okay, bye now. <laughs>